Take your Bibles, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Listen, how powerful is it to actually tell God that he's holy, holy, holy? Anybody? Does that get you somewhere deep in your spirit? That God is holy. But what's the first thing that can come to your mind when you say God is holy? What do you start thinking about yourself? Are you holy? You should be because Peter says, be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. And a lot of times in our culture today, we know ourselves and we know we sin, fall short of the glory of God. And we say sometimes, well, I just don't feel holy. You ever, you ever felt like somebody said, I don't feel like I'm even human when you go through something traumatic? Whatever that means. Uh, your feelings do not dictate who you are in Christ. When we tell God's holy, now he's ultimately holy, he has no sin. But I want you to know this morning before we get into the notes, before we get into today's sermon, uh, that you are to be, you're called to be holy just as God is holy. You say, that's impossible for me to do. Would anybody else say that's impossible? The answer is yes, by yourself it's impossible. But through Christ, Paul says, in all things, riches or poverty, in all things, I can do all things through Christ who or which gives me strength. And Paul said, I know what it's like to be poor and have nothing. And I know what it's like to have wealth and have it nicely. In all things... I know how it is to live because it's Christ who gives me strength to be here or here or anywhere in between. And so today as you hear the message, I don't know where you are in life, don't know what you're struggling with, but I want you to know you can do it through the power of the Holy Spirit in you. If you're a Christian, you don't get this permission. We were in China, we got to, there was a place called um, the Prague and it was a restaurant that some um, Europeans owned and the whole purpose of the restaurant was to share the gospel. They served good food. But we would meet there, and Chinese university students would come, and there would be a sheet, very much like I have in my hand, and it would say, uh, you pick your question. So they got to pick a question, 1 to 25, and every question was written so that the answer is Jesus. Uh, that was with the intention. So the Chinese, they wanted to practice their, their English, so they would say, okay, question number, and they would pick 20. Who is the most important person in your life? And that was one of the questions I had, and of course, it leads right into the Lord Jesus Christ. The biggest question that the Chinese students ask us, the university students ask us, that many people in the world, everywhere really, ask, no matter where you're from, is, can I have the benefits of Jesus without having Jesus? I don't want to give up my sinful life. I don't want to give up, and they said, I don't want to give up ancestry worship, but I like the power of the Holy Spirit. Can I get the power without the commitment? How many people today want that? They want, oh, Jesus, when cancer comes in, when heart disease comes in, oh, we want the Lord Jesus Christ right here, right now. But when things are going good, when things are going well, hey, just put Jesus in the back seat and he can ride along, right? But as soon as the accident's about to happen, the old country song is, Jesus, do what? Take the will. You should actually be in the place where Jesus is first and foremost in your life all the time. Would you agree with that? If you're living a Christian life through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ should be first and foremost in your life. Is that a true statement? Is God's word always true? Is God always on time? Is God forever faithful? Does God love the world? Yes. So if you know that to be true, obviously can you repeat that when you go out into your world, wherever your world is, wherever your workplace is, wherever your retirement place is, wherever your home is, wherever the place that you go for school, can you repeat that, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not what? Perish, but have what? Everlasting life. That's good news of the gospel. Matter of fact, let's get into our notes today, and I want you to see this before I even read the scripture. 
God has a clear message for the world. Go to John chapter 3, because there's messages all over the Bible. Did you know that? I told you when I was a kid, everybody talked about the will of God, and I always thought, what is the will of God? Initially, when I was little, I thought it was a, like a will on a car. I didn't know what God had a car, and because Ezekiel, the will that spins, I was all confused about the word will and will. I'm talking about the double I-W-I-L-L, and not because he's going to die. This is his intent, the will of God. And scriptures replete through the Genesis to Revelation, there's multiple facets. I, I reminded the church not long ago, it's like a kaleidoscope. Y'all remember those? We don't do those anymore. Uh, kids don't play with those much anymore. But look into a kaleidoscope, and what do you see? Shapes, colors, all this just beautiful, lets the, the mind go through an imaginary state of going, wow, right? This is incredibly beautiful. And your eyes tricked or actually sees the color wheel that's actually inside of that. John chapter 3, this is the message. God has a clear message for the world. And the question is, what is the message? Nicodemus, he would have been a retired older man. He would have been 50s or 60s in this culture. He would have been an aged man. And he comes to Jesus by night. And we know that we've read this before, John chapter 3. And he asks the question, Jesus, we know that you're from God. And he was speaking on behalf of the, the whole council, all the religious leaders. We know that you're from God because all the miracles... That you do. We, Oren mentioned this this morning. Many people in our culture say, I believe Jesus was a good man. I believe the Muslims will even say, I believe Jesus was a prophet. Right? You can't be a good man and tell a lie. Would you agree? You can't be a prophet and say that you're God. Unless it's true. Amen? So when people say those things, they have not read the Holy Scriptures and say they based on what they're taught or what they hear their grandmama say or their grandpapa say, they pass on their religious traditions. That's why we must, if you want to get to the truth, we must get into the truth, and Jesus Christ is the truth. Amen? So the message is this. This is what he says to Nicodemus, and, and you can follow along in your Bibles, John chapter 3. We have a lot of Scripture to cover today. John 3. Verse 1, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He was a ruler. He was a ruler of the Jews, meaning he was, probably had the top office. He comes to Jesus by night. Jesus tells him, you must be born again. There's a big con uh, con uh, conflict there with the conversation. But I want you to go for a second time today and read that on your own time. But go to verse 14. Jesus explains this. This is the clear message. If you don't understand this, Say, I don't understand. We'll, we won't go further in the message if you don't understand this today. So if there's any one person in this room that don't understand what I'm saying, just stop me and we won't go further. Because if we miss the clear message of Jesus, what's the rest of the sermon going to be about? It builds upon uh, brick upon brick. Here we go, verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, does everybody know who Moses is in the Bible? At least a, at least a running start of who Moses is. Moses, prophet of God, he was the Old Testament. He's, he was symbolic of Jesus. He led the captives of Israel out of Egypt. This is the Moses that everyone reveres. Even the Jews today still revere Moses. This is where we get our Ten Commandments, as we call them. Even though there was over 600 commandments in the Bible, we call them the Ten Commandments. So do we have a working relationship, at least, with Moses? Everybody? Yes? Give me a nod. So I know. I'm not being childish or, or simplistic. I want you to understand, if you don't understand what Jesus is saying, you won't understand what Jesus is saying. Amen? So as Moses, he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Now, you might not know what the serpent is. So people were, they were in rank disobedience to God. God brought them out of Egypt. He, he was delivering them to the promised land. And these were stubborn, hard-headed, 
sinful people. Sound like anybody you know today? Look to your left and right. Look behind you. People like them, all right? All right, we're hard-headed. We're sinful people. And they were murmuring. The Bible says God hates murmuring. Have you ever talked bad about your catalyst teacher? Have you ever talked bad about the music? I know you talk bad about the preacher because I can feel it, right? <laughs> Here's what I want you to understand. Listen, we'll, we'll gripe and complain. It's too cold in here. It's too hot. It's, it's, we'll go down. It doesn't matter if it's raining. We need, we need rain. It pours down rain. Good grief. Do we have to have so much rain? It's hot. We want it cold. It's cold. We, want it we can never be satisfied unless we have that contentment plus godliness, which call, the Bible calls great gain. It means I'm satisfied with what I have. That is that Philippians 4.13 that I can do all things through, the, through, through Christ which strengthens me. I can, I can be cold and the Lord will provide a jacket. I can be hot and he'll provide a fan or he'll provide some water. There's something that he'll bring relief. Even if I'm dying, guess what the Lord will do? He'll take me on to be with him in heaven. Through all of life, good, bad, or indifferent, he's with you if you belong to him. So the people murmured and God said, you want, to, you want to complain? Don't, God, and a lot of times Old Testament, I love reading Old Testament God. He's still the same in the New Testament too, but I love reading some of the stories in Old Testament going, man, I would have been the first one to get killed in the Old Testament because I'd have been hard-headed like these people. But God sends these snakes into the camp out of the desert, and they're biting the people. And they're, they're biting, and the people are just dying. They're flopping like fish. They're dying. And God tells Moses, put a bronze serpent on a stick and hold it up really high. Put it up high where everybody can see it. And all you had to do, no matter what your socioeconomic status was, no matter where you were on, on the planet as far as uh, your esteem or lack of, no matter what, you, all you had to do is, the rule was to do what? Turn and look at it. So it would be like the cross up there. We'd put a serpent up there if we were living there. And we would hold it up high and we'd get it as high as we could. And all the people had to do was turn and look at the serpent, and they would be healed. You say, well, that sounds too crazy. Well, take that up with God. I didn't write it. Amen? So Moses was told he was called of God, and he told the people, listen, God said, if you look at the serpent, you'll be healed. And people said, I will not look. And you could say today, what a dumb person that would be, right? If you're dying of this swelling, you're in tremendous pain, and you know you've seen other people die, and all you have to do is turn and look. All you have to do is look by faith. And be healed. And we would call those people not just dumb. We would even use the stupid word, right? The Bible says stupid, so it is a word in the Bible. Those people, they were unbelievers. They, no matter what, would not turn. And so Jesus says, just as Moses lifted up the serpent, let's continue. In the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. How was Jesus lifted up? He was lifted up on the cross of Calvary, right? We, we talk about that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what? eternal life. You must, by faith, see Jesus on the cross, see Jesus buried in a borrowed tomb, and see Jesus resurrected the third day, and you must put your faith and trust in him is what the message that God has for the world. Jesus says this. He's speaking on, listen, he's, if your Bible has a red letter edition, these are red letters. Would you agree? Is that true? If Jesus said it, it's true. Amen? And so if Jesus said it, how shall we live if we actually read it? We walk by faith. You say, well, I wish there was a serpent on a pole I could just look at and be saved. Many people want the easy way, but I'm telling you, the Bible even says when it's easy, people won't do it because we're stubborn 
and have hard hearts. All you have to do is give your heart and your life to Jesus. Look upon the cross. Our Savior died for him, for you and for me. Look and say, he really did die. He really was buried, and he really did rise again the third day according to the Scripture. Our Savior lives forevermore. Amen? The cross is not, don't, don't walk around. Our Catholic friends still have him on the cross. They think they crucify him every Sunday when they take communion. Don't take a communion thinking you're eating the bread and body of Jesus. He's not dead. You're not going to kill him. And by the way, no one killed Jesus. He offered himself as a sacrifice for you and for me, for our sins. That's the message, the clear message that God wants. Is everybody tracking with me so far? Not at least saying I understand what you've said this, to this point. All right, here we go. So let's continue. Then he goes in. We know this verse. Many of us, if you're ever in church or seen, seen Tim Tebow play football, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have what church again? This is the message. Then he goes on. For God did not send Jesus, he's talking about himself, into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be what? Saved. Saved from what? Saved from perishing. We call it hell today. What we understand is heaven and there's hell. He, verse 18, he who believes in him is not condemned. Praise Jesus. I'm not, right? I sin, I mess up, have to ask for forgiveness, but I do not stand before you as a condemned man. I stand before you as a man with hope. Hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? That's where you stand today if you're a Christian. But he who does not believe, and this is not like, oh yeah, I believe in Jesus too. Listen, you've got to walk it out. This is a faith that you walk out. Oren talked about this morning and Catalyst. What, we, we can say it, we can name them, we did it. What does a Christian, if we actually say a biblical Christian, what would a biblical Christian's life look like? How do, how do I know that you're a Christian? Give me, give me some feedback. How do we know? The way you love one another, right? See me duck? I thought it was shots fired. No, Jonah's better than kick the remote things, but he's sleeping. I'm just kidding, Jonah. We, we, we love, listen, we love one another. And then we, what do we do? We turn back around and we read the Holy Scriptures going, wow, we scratch our heads going, wow, God, that's me. I'm sorry for that. I, I really messed that up. And then we read, he's holy. And we go, when we sing songs, we go, wow, that lines up with Scripture that God is holy, he's holy, he's holy. And then we pray and we say, Lord, I messed this one up. Lord, would you do this in our life? Have you ever prayed for a miracle to happen in somebody's life? Have you ever prayed for a healing for someone, and then when they're healed, you go, maybe they were getting better anyway? You ever been there? I've prayed and anointed people with oil, going, Lord, in the name of Jesus, and we pray for them to be healed. You've seen it here, and people have been healed of cancer, I believe, right here on this spot. Others have passed away, and others say, Pastor, I'm not healed yet. But we've seen people healed, and if you're not careful, the human mind says, well, maybe something they were going to be healed anyway. Maybe, maybe that was actually the medicine work, not the oil, not the Holy Spirit. And the oil, by the way, does not save you. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. The oil anoints you, and then the oil actually is the Holy Spirit healing your body. But when we see miracles and we pray for those miracles, because what happens is God says to do it. Amen? You say, well, I've never done that. Have you gotten so close that God could use you for any job in his kingdom? Martin said he's going to wash dishes when he gets to heaven. Martin's always washing dishes. Martin, how old are you? 80. 
He's washing dishes all the time. Every time we have an event, Martin's back there washing dishes. He said, at least in heaven, he's going to eat. He knows he's going to eat, and he knows he has a job that he can wash dishes. Now, Martin's uh, decorated uh, Special Forces retired Army officer. Did y'all know that about Martin? You don't know that often about him unless you know him, know him. And he humbles himself, and I have a picture of Chip, who uh, he was a retired Navy officer as well. Had, I got a picture. I said, I have to do this as a former enlisted guy. I have to take this picture. Chip and Martin were washing dishes, and I'm like, this one's going on my wall because all those years having to listen to officers tell me what to do. Now these guys are serving the church in a, a great capacity. Is washing dishes a great job in the church? Yes, because it has to get done. It doesn't matter what are you qualified for. Lord, I can't. As soon as you say I can't, listen, the Lord said, okay, I'll move on to somebody who can until you get yourself mature enough to do what I've called you to do. Sweeping for the kingdom. We think of all the grandiose things that I can do. Being on the platform, uh, being out front, being a greeter. Listen, wherever you are, do it for the glory of God. There's a job for everybody in the kingdom. All right, one more pop. I'm going to the handheld, so just get ready. Here we go. Let's continue. Then he says this. But he who does not believe in the, uh, is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You ever told somebody their deed, your deeds are evil? Our culture today, when you say something is evil, everything that's evil in the world, and we say something about evil, we get called all these lists of names. You're unloving, you're hypocritical, you get all these lists of names because you take truth and you apply it to a standard to the world. I mean, the world today, we celebrate more than ever before uh, gender celebrations. Uh, it's a boy, it's a girl. Now people are blowing up little black puffs of smoke saying, it's X. How stupid can we possibly be as a society, as humans? And some, we've had people interview for our school, sit down with me and say, well, we don't, I said, well, you didn't put it for your son or daughter. We want them to figure it out. I said, God forbid that you have children. I am ashamed that God let you have children because uh, you walked into a Baptist church, sit down with a Baptist preacher who's a strong Christian, loves the Lord. I know what sin is. I was in the Navy, y'all, without Christ. I know what sin is, right? So that's why people don't upset me or shock me with words or any actions. I've seen the worst of the worst. But I want you to understand, here's the truth. The Bible's very clear, listen, that we're all sinners, amen? We know very clearly. The Bible says a, Christ, a Christian lives in a very Christ-centered way, a Christ-centric way, would you agree? Everyone, the Bible's clear that we read the Bible, that's how we grow, we mature, we share our faith, we pray, uh, we fellowship together. Sometimes when there's events and, and flexibility of missions, I asked the prayer team this morning, let's just all pick up our situation, and this morning we woke up and we're sitting in a church, say in, the, in Mississauga, Canada, where we do missions outreach. It's a lost, Muslim-heavy place. How would we live life different when we go out to eat? How would we be focused when we come in here? How would we get equipped? We were taking notes so that I can go out there and be ready to share with anyone because I've spent money, I've given vacation time, and now I'm on mission. But in America, when we're here at home, what do we do so many times? We just sit still and say, well, it's another Sunday. It was hot in there. It was cold in there. Liked the music. Didn't like the preaching. That word, I got nothing out of it. Listen, brothers and sisters, if you can ever open the Word of God and not get anything out of it, something's wrong with you. 
Because God is constantly speaking. God wants to say something to your heart and to mine today. And as we continue, this is the message. Let's finish it out and then I'll, I'll jump. And verse, verse 19, And this is condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. This is talking about you and me. If you, Listen, the reason you're not a Christian today is because you love your token sin. You've been praying for somebody today. Listen, as a Christian, I want you to understand this. Your brother, sister, husband, wife, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, cousin, nephew, niece, whomever might be in relationship to you, they are not coming to Christ. If you share the gospel with them and they've been to preaching or heard the gospel, they're not coming to Christ because they love their sin. It should have been a big amen right there. You're, you're some of those people. Some of you are sitting here and you're not saved today. You're religious. You might have been baptized a Baptist or Methodist, Episcopal, fill in the blank, but you're lost as a ball in the woods because you will not commit your life to Jesus Christ because you love your evil deeds and you love your darkness. Now, you complain about the darkness, and when you get caught, you complain about that, but you love your sin. This is what Jesus says. You love your sin is why you won't be saved. Some people say this. Well, I'm too embarrassed to go forward and tell anybody I want to give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I really want to. How many of y'all are going to eat sometime today unless you're fasting? And the more, more pains you have in your stomach, what's going to drive you to do? You'll eat anything, right? Your, your, your standard goes, man, I'm, I can't wait to go get this, whatever this is in your life. Mine's lamb chops. If I didn't have anything, it's lamb chops. And then what happens is that then I'll take a steak and then I'll eat a burger, and I get hungry. It gets down to a pack of crackers, and I'm, I'm, I'm peanut butter crackers, right? It gets down to dry cereal. I'm going to scoop a handful and eat it. Any of y'all there? Even those raggedy hot dogs. I hate hot dogs. I was a children's minister for 13 years. I despise hot dogs. But I'll eat them if it gets down to it because I'm hungry. What happens is your standards continue to get lower and lower and lower. should be that way in our faith, shouldn't it? Jesus wants the standards high. Let's continue. Verse 20. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. Somebody, listen, living in sin, we call it today just love, just tolerate it. Jesus does not tolerate sin. If you're living in adultery, if you're living in homosexuality, if you're a habitual liar, you have not come to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you will die and you will go to hell forever. Should be amen right there too, right? Pastor, don't say that today. Because people, the culture's changed, Pastor. God's word never changes. God never changes. Hebrews 13, 8, as a matter of fact, says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and how long? Forevermore, no matter how crazy our society gets in America, how crazy it gets in China, in any of the countries in Africa, European continent, it doesn't matter how crazy our sinful people get. God's word never changes. You say, well, that's offensive. Yes, it is. Jesus offended me with my sin. And said, so what you're doing is wrong, and you're going to hell. It offended me. How dare you tell me I'm going to hell. You don't know me. When preachers would preach, I would walk out of church. I didn't want to hear it. It's because I love my sin, I love darkness, and I refuse to turn to the light. Let's continue. Let's go back to your notes for you, if you would. Oh, excuse me, verse 21. But he who does the truth, that's, this is all about truth, comes to the light, that is, his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. You will walk forward in Jesus' name. You will say what Jesus says about sin. You'll speak about Old Testament sin. Does anybody still think the Old Testaments are relevant? All ten of them that were given on Mount Sinai 
are transformed all the way over. They transcribe all the way over into the New Testament except one. Do you know which one it is? Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Because what do we have today? We still should rest. God didn't take that out of the formula. But we have the Lord's Day today. If we're on mission, what will we do today as soon as we leave church? When we pack up, we go, we're on mission. We paid all this money to go on the mission field. We're going up and we go eat with, our, with somebody that's not our family. And then we go out and we share the gospel all day on Sunday. Or we go play games or we get connected with somebody in some kind of way so that we can actually speak the gospel of Jesus Christ to the, that family, that person, that friend, that person I just met. But today we'll come here and we'll hear the word of God. Many people won't even take any notes, won't even read the word, won't open it for themselves. We'll walk out that door, go have lunch and go, well, Sunday afternoon naps, what's in time for me. We'll never share the gospel with anybody. And Monday will come, we'll get back to work. Well, I don't want to be that person at work. You know, there's always that holy roller. You know who he is at work or who she is at work, right? Praise God. Listen, make sure they're doctrinally sound and join with them. Then when the Lord's there, listen, two of you, then three of you, and then four of you, it is our job to share the message. All right, let's go back to 1 Corinthians, the main message today. Spiritually speaking, this is what we're talking about. Have you ever heard somebody say that to you? Well, you know, spiritually speaking, that, that's how we like to talk. We like to put a category like, well, yeah, I'm supposed to, spiritually speaking, I'm supposed to live the Christian life. But in reality, we know how hard it is. We know times are tough. We know society's coming on us. We know what the government says. But spiritually speaking, I know we're supposed to do this. So we have this category of the sacred, which is kind of a Sunday hour or two. And then we have the secular. That's Monday through Saturday where, hey, it's business as usual. We've got to go dog eat dog in this world. Come church, let's sing how holy God is. But come Monday, let's get back to the secular. We've separated in our mind. There is this sacred and there is this secular. And we've played this crazy game in our mind thinking we're right with God. And God frowns upon when you separate because there is no separation when you become a Christian. You take the sacred who is the Holy Spirit living inside of you and you walk him or her into, the Holy Spirit's a he, but you're the him or her. You walk them into the weak. You, Monday through Saturday and then Sunday, it is the same because when I see you, listen, if you're cursing Monday through Saturday, God forbid that you would sing a song about God's holiness on Sunday. You need to stop it. You're a fake. And listen, you're not going to heaven. You cannot live like the devil because Jesus separated out. He says, you are of your father, the devil. That's what he told the Pharisees. They're like, wait a minute. We tithe. We, we, give, our, we give our incense. We do our prayers in public. We read the, uh, the Holy Scriptures. And Jesus said, you are the sons of the devil. Would that make you mad? If somebody wanted to say, you're just a child of the devil. You run the road just like the devil. Would they be wrong? You need to answer that question. Or you're, you're a child of God. Every time I see you, you have joy. You have love even when people aren't lovely. You have peace when people aren't peaceful. How do you have that? And it, it comes with a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to 1 Corinthians quickly. This is picking up the, the message. God has assigned messengers who are required to share his message with the world. By the way, who are his messengers? Say it louder. Who's his messengers? We are. We are his messengers. Are you giving out the message? It's a hard thing in our society. I got it. Society does not want to hear it. But through Christ we can do all things, is what he tells us. Okay, let's read the scripture. Verse 18, if you would. For the message of the cross is what in your Bible? Fools, it don't make any sense. They didn't say the pastor can be a fool, because there's some pastors that are fools. Did y'all know that? 
there's a crazy pastor over, he's on the radio, and I rode by his church yesterday, and he says, welcome demon terrorist. That's what it says on the church sign. Now, me and Wendy just happened to tune in because couldn't find any radio stations. We are going to the beach a couple weeks ago. It's University Parkway Church of God. If you, I'll call it out clear. That joker is insane. Listen, you cannot call out. Could you imagine walking up today and we welcome demon terrorists? He thinks of himself as a demon terrorist. He terrorizes demons. Could you imagine? Even the apostles of God, when Jesus was up on the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter and John, listen, and they come down and they're like, there's this child, it's demon-possessed, and we can't even get him out. We cannot cast this demon out. Even though Jesus had given them power to cast out demons, they did not have the power to do it. They said, we can't do it. And Jesus cast out the demon and said, these kind only come out through prayer and fasting. Don't let somebody trick you to tell you that they're an apostle. That's a false teaching. That there are no apostles today. There is no capital A apostles. They don't exist. Don't let somebody think they tell you they could call down fire from heaven. There is no way on God's green earth I'd walk in that building today because a demon might just show up to show his supernatural power. Demons are angels with supernatural powers, y'all. Don't play with the devil. Don't play games with him. And when you broadcast this foolish stupidity over the airways and you, you go around the country teaching, listen, he's a philosopher that Jesus talks about. Watch this. Jesus talks about this. And I would have you meet with him and call this out because this is crazy. When I rode by the sign, I had to do a double take and said, you're invited. If just Joe Palooka don't know what he's talking about, I just happened to hear his message, or not a message, but a talk, that he thinks he's terrorizing demons himself. Now, how do we actually, the Bible says very clearly, how do we resist the devil? We draw near to God, James chapter 4. Draw near to God, resist the devil, and then what happens? He has to flee. He's got to go. Don't invite the demon fight because you will lose every single time. You are weak without Christ. And even with Christ, don't invite, don't mess with satanic games. Don't deal with Ouija boards. Don't go into the occult. Don't go to palm readers. It's foolishness to think that you're going to overcome the world because, listen, Satan's been doing this for a long time since the garden, right? He'll wait you out. He'll let you feel like you got power. He'll even invite you and give you power. Ask Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus thinking he's going to get rich, thinking he's going to start a revolution, and he ended up hanging himself and falling from that tree and his body bursting under, and he's in hell forevermore. You think you're going to play this game with the devil? He won't play games. Let's continue to read. Listen, it's a scary and foolish thing. Watch what he says. Let's go back. He goes and quotes Old Testament, verse 19. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Here's the question, verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God. It pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For Jews require a sign, and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jew a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And I know I've read some of your faces. My job as a pastor is to read body language. Some of you got very offended that I would call out another pastor. Let me tell you today, you have to speak the truth in love, and that's in love, but that is foolishness to play games with the devil. I don't go after other churches. Listen, we can talk about, we're talking about our Mormon friends. 
Pastor, they're good people. They are good people. I know some good, good Mormons, good people as far as good goes. The Lord says there is none good, right, but God. But Mormons are polytheists. Every time a Mormon baby's born, they believe another God's been born. They're the same as Hindus. Do you celebrate Hindus and say Hindus are good people? Well, yeah, they're good people. We've had Hindus want to join our school. And we say, no, it's Jesus. You've got to believe, have your faith in Jesus. They say, we'll take Jesus too. We'll just add Jesus to our pile of gods. We'll take him, no problem. No, 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 we're not saying you've got to take Jesus. We're saying you've got to give your heart life to Jesus only. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, only. There is no other way. And today that's offensive when you call that out. But I want to tell you, listen, if God speaks it, then you must speak it with clarity. Amen? You don't have to like it, and you're going to lose friends and family over it. No, people won't talk to you because you stand for the truth of the Word of God. Don't become legalistic. Don't say, I know better than you. But just take what the Word of God says clearly. And how do we deal with demons? It's very clear. You don't go attack a demon. It comes out of paganism. If you go look at exorcism that the Catholic Church does, it actually comes out of pagan rituals. If you look at the, the way it started way back in the day. Draw near to God through the power of Jesus Christ. Resist the devil. Give him your back. Don't give him your words. Don't give him your thoughts. Don't give him your actions. Don't give him your time. Don't rebuke the devil. Every time I hear somebody rebuke the devil, I'm like, you have no idea what you're up against. People want to call and stand up and think they're bold in a prayer meeting that they're going to kick Satan out of the room. He can only be at one place at one time. And I would guarantee you, Satan ain't messing around Aiken, South Carolina. He's at the White House. He's at capitals of, of the world. He can only be at one place at one time. He has demons at work. But Jesus, listen, the Bible says we're forever always in the presence of God. God is here right now. God's in the presence. And not only that, the Bible says he gives himself to us and we give our heart and life to Jesus Christ. He's within me. So he's around me and he's in me. Wherever we go, the Bible's very clear. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you see. Be careful what you do. We used to teach our kids that, right? Be careful, little ears, what you hear, right? Because the Father up above is looking down with love. So be careful, little ears, what you hear, what you see, what you do, what you touch. All those things we used to teach our kids. Now today we're like, hey, little ears, do what you want, right? Who cares if God's looking, if there's a God, right? The, the song has changed. Even within the church, there's pastors. The Church of Christ out west just called out and said they actually would take anyone in because they believe homosexuality is just the way people are born. Somebody asked me that question not long ago. Do you think someone's born a homosexual? I said, yes, they are. They're born homosexual, adulterer, thief, pagan, idol worshiper. You're born in sin. You'll do any of that mess, right? Look in the mirror. Some of you are looking at me like very sanctimoniously, like, not me, Pastor, right? Yes, you. When your mama gave birth to you and they spanked you behind or brought you to the world, when you started that first cry, you were born in sin. And every sin that's ever been accomplished, if you will, by mankind, you're able to do it. You're capable of it. That's why forgiveness is so sweet. That's why grace sounds like it sounds. It's a beautiful sound that we can actually call on God and say, God, please forgive me of my sin. And guess what he says 100% of the time? If you put your faith and trust in me, I forgive you. It doesn't make any sense. That's why it sounds like it's foolishness. Let's go to your notes real quick. Let me show you these and give these as I roll through here. As it relates to God, verse 18 to 19, the world's wisdom slash philosophy is evil and lacks understanding. That's as it relates to God. There's some great philosophers who think about things. But most of them, listen, if you get into a philosopher's class, they will always, inevitably always, as it relates to religion, has any of you ever taken a religion class in a public university? And it ends up being what? <laughs> right? 
Try that's the biblical word. It just ends up being like all these fluffy ideas about world religions. Every time someone would philosophize, that's what Jesus was talking about in his day. The Greeks would walk around, stroke their chins, and they would talk about all these great gods. That's where they get all the ancient gods. We love watching movies about them, do we not? Have you not watched Zeus and other movies? 300, you're watching like, oh, the gods. We go, wow, those were deep thinkers. No, they were not. They were worldly thinkers. And what happens when you think worldly? You will always, always make an idol. It'll be what you say is, what the thinker says is the right way. We know that from Acts chapter, uh, when you go and look at Paul, when he was walking through Athens, they, they had a God to this and a God to that. Let's continue. So Jesus asked these, I mean, Paul asked these four questions because God directed him to do it. These are asked, the four. Where is the philosopher? Answer the question today. Where is, I didn't put this blank in for you, by the way. I want you to answer that. Where is the philosopher today? The person who ponders deep thoughts and they want to think about the world and climate change and all the crazy mess that's going on in the world. They have an answer for it. Where are they? Come on, speak back to me. Tell me. They're in universities, academia. That's right. Where else? Social media, for sure. Where else? Government, politics, I have that right. Health care, aren't they there? If that child's not a feasible child or it's really not a child, they philosophize and they, they think that uh, you can have an abortion at any time because it's a woman's right to choose. God forbid that we would ever cave into that crazy mess. Amen? The church is pro-life if the church is the church of God. There's no way you would support taking a child's life or, or killing a senior adult because their quality of life is no more is no good. But the one place y'all didn't say where philosophers are, they're in the church today. People want to think that God's bigger or different than he is, and God is still God who's always been. I want you to see this. He asked the question, where is the scholar? Where are the scholars today? This is the people who were specifically given over to the law. These are people who educated in the law and practiced or interpreted the religious law. Where are they today? Same places, right? Churches, universities, but they're in the courtrooms today. Are you seeing it in the courtroom? They're calling good, bad, bad, good, and they're legislating from the courtroom because there are these scribes, these scholars, and they have no God vision. They have a world vision. They love their darkness. Where's the dispute of this age? These are the atheists, but you know what? Guess where you find them? In the churches and universities and publications, social media. And what do we do? We pay for all that. We spend and we get so far in debt to go to public university, we want our kids to have a good education so they can get a good job and have a good paying salary so they can live a good life. And who's, te- who's speaking into their life every stinking day? We even pay $80 to $100 a month for our kids to have social media so they have a phone. What do we do? We're speaking into their life. And what's speaking into their life? Godliness? Your phone? Is it just pure godliness coming out of your phone? Your iPhone, just like everything you turn it on, every time you search a, a, a site, it's just nothing but holiness. Every time somebody texts you or tweets something, it's nothing but sweetness and holiness. It, do the ratios for yourself. Would you say it's 85%, 15%, 90-10? I mean, you know what's coming out of your phone. You know what's coming out of your computer. If, even if you don't do anything and, and you're looking for something honest, you're looking for that's decent, and you're looking for something to look up or how to do something, You'll get slammed with ads and other things. Listen, Satan has multiple ways. God knows that. Let's get the notes quickly. God has zero tolerance with willful spiritual ignorance. He's got zero tolerance. Read Romans 11 on your own. Powerful verse there. Although the world's wise see preaching the gospel of salvation in Christ alone now, that's important, as foolishness, this is how God revealed his wisdom. 
God has shown us today that we preach Jesus Christ and He alone. It makes no sense to the world. Like, that does not make sense to me. I can remember having that conversation. I've heard that before. It doesn't make sense. And by the way, just for the record, to the lost person, it does not make sense. It's foolishness to them going, you, you're telling me you believe in a God who sent His Son, however, how you can do that? He became a man like us, had skin on. He lived 33 years. He died on the cross. The Romans put him on the cross. The Jews wanted him dead. And you believe he rose again from the dead and that he's alive today? How crazy does that sound? Have you ever seen him personally? Has he ever spoken to you out loud? And you go, if you're not careful and strong in your faith, you go, well, well, you've got to be bold. Listen, absolutely. How do you believe that? It's by God's grace he gives me the ability to hear that message. It's by God's grace he gives me the faith to believe in his only begotten son. And listen, it's by his grace that I'm able to live day by day and bring him glory. You should have been saying amen right there because, listen, you've got to be walking in this. Otherwise, we will not change the world for Jesus Christ. You'll be afraid. You'll always be, I'm a target, I'm a target. He says, blessed are you when you're persecuted for my namesake. You're going to get a reward for that. All right, let's continue. Verse 22, he says this, the unbelieving scholar seeks after extraordinary and astonishing happenings so they can see, or they sought after, whether it is of divine power or nature. Show us a miracle. Show us a sign. Remember Jesus fed the 5,000 plus, probably like 15,000 off of a couple of fish, a couple of loaves of bread, and they're like, we would see a miracle, Jesus. You <laughs> dipstick and just fed you, right? Then you want to say that? That's how I would interpret the scripture there if I was, if I was saying it. I just fed 15,000 people with this little boy's lunch, and you want to see a miracle of God? Did they believe in the miracles they did see? Truly they did, because John 3, what happened? Nicodemus says, we know, we know, like uh, our brains are absolutely solidified that you're from God from all the signs, and that's called the attesting miracles that you're doing. So we know it in our heart, but we don't want to believe in you, because if we believe in you, we've got to give up our jobs. We're going to lose our position. And people are going to think we've been wrong all this time, and it's going to be embarrassing for us to admit that we were religiously wrong. We were looking for a political savior, and here you come dying on the cross. It makes no sense. It's foolishness. I'm telling you, church, listen, we preach this, and what do you have to do? By faith, you just roll on. You just preach it as the Lord says it in his word. The unbelieving scholar seeks after more and more earthly knowledge, but rejects the truth of the Holy Scriptures. He or she will always reject the Scriptures. They'll take a little bit of good stuff, They'll take a couple of the Proverbs, but they don't want any of the Jesus because they want a Jesus in their own making. 23 tells us, faithful followers of Jesus, we preach the truth of Christ, crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected. If you've got a note, take notes. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4, Paul says it clearly there. 23, the second part, the message of Christ is offensive, and it is and it was seen as foolishness to those who will not believe. They just won't believe. Finally, we get down to the end here. To those who are called by God from all walks of life, the message of Christ, the Bible says, is the power of God and it is the wisdom of God. Isn't that amazing to think about? Romans 1.16, Paul says, listen, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is the power of God unto salvation. If you're a Christian today, listen, we got God's power within us. You say, I don't feel very powerful. Then I would encourage you to go share your faith. Watch God work. He'll transform lives through the word because you're his messenger to give his message. Remember, last two points, you can see this. God created man. Is that hard to believe? Genesis 1. He is the potter and man is the clay. God's wisdom is superior to man's wisdom. Amen? 
I don't care how many PhDs somebody has on their, on their how many letters they have behind their name, God's wisdom is always superior. You could take a country preacher, you can take somebody barely can able to understand the word of God, if they can get it in their head and heart, then they can actually change the world. Because what they say about Peter, James, and John, these are ignorant men. They've never been to university. These people are fools, and they're preaching this Jesus stuff. And the Bible says, they even said, these men are turning the world where? Upside down. That don't make much sense until you wreck a car. Anybody ever wrecked a car and flipped the car? Yeah, you start understanding that scripture a little better if you flip a car. Woo! And your whole world flips upside down, not supposed to, or you understand it on a roller coaster. That's what they did. They turned everything on its head in their culture. They started there. And Jesus only went 80 miles in his region. Did y'all know that? He only traveled about 80 miles around from his hometown. And he told these jokers, go change the world. Start here, go there, go there, and go there. Okay, if you say so. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't have a car, train, plane. They just packed it up, said what Jesus said to do, and they went and preached what he said to say. And here we are today. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ in our own language. And we can be saved just like they got saved back in the day through the power of the Holy Spirit. Isn't God good, church? Lastly, God is the life giver. He is powerful. His power is intensely, infinitely, immeasurably, I try to put all these I words in here, greater than man's power. He's, it's bigger. He's better. Name something. Atomic bombs, aircraft carriers, earthquakes. He's above it. He's bigger. He's better. That's the God that we serve today. So is the message clear today, church? The message is what? Jesus Christ came to save people from their sin. Whoever puts their faith and trust in him, guess what they'll have? Everlasting life and the promise that they'll never perish. Who is his messenger today, church? We are his messengers. So I wanted to encourage you today, listen, I want you to stand in his presence today as I pray over you today. And we're going to give an invitation today and ask you, Go ahead and stand now. We're going to ask you to give your heart and life to Jesus Christ. We're going to ask you to pray and ask him, God, make me that powerful person of Christ you want me to be. And it doesn't come through supernatural like, okay, you can order it. Amazon don't deliver this power. Amen? It only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit. He will indwell you. The Bible says he will come and fill you forevermore. You'll live the rest of your life not perfect. You'll never be perfect until we get to heaven. That's called glorification. We get there, we'll be glorified one day. But listen, you can be sanctified today. You can be set apart for the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever will shall come. We read that and you didn't have a chance to look at the scripture. If you read Romans 10, he says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Isn't that good news today? We have a message of hope for the world, for our families, for our friends. If you need to pray today, I'm going to encourage you to slide out and come pray. We'll pray together. If you want to do war with the devil, listen, don't go to the devil. Go to God. Resist the devil. Let him have the back door because he has to leave. I don't want him here to fight him. I want his behind gone. I don't think he really has a behind because he's a spirit, but you know what I'm saying. I want him out, right? And the only way to kick him out is to draw near to God, get to his throne and resist. Turn your back to him. Give him your back. Because who's got your back today, church? Always important to the military, who has your six, right? Who has your back? In law enforcement, who's got your back? Isn't it awesome to think that holy God has your back today and your front and your sides if you belong to him? If you don't, you've got none of the promises of God. He says it makes it rain. Did it rain in your house the other day? He says it calls the rain to fall on the wicked as well as the righteous. So they get the rain just like we do. 
But listen, we get to see the rainmaker one day face to face. Isn't that amazing? We got a good opportunity. Listen, he's good. God's good. Let's pray together. Father God, we stand in your presence knowing that, Lord, sincerely in our hearts, we don't, we don't have all the answers and, and we have a lot of questions. And Father, we have a busy schedule. We don't take time often to, to do what you've told us to do. Somehow, Lord, I know when things get tough, we kind of buckle down and want to get a little more serious with you. But Father, today I pray, I don't know how you're going to do it. But Father, you would save the people, especially the people that are in this building that are lost today. Lord, break their hearts so they can actually see this for real, for what it is. It's not a, relig not a uh, religion. It's not a commitment to a church. It's a commitment to the one who made them. Pray that they would give their heart and their life to Jesus Christ. Father, for Christians that are here today that have been playing the game, they're mediocre, they're in the middle of the road. I pray quickly, Lord, they'd get into the lane you want them to go, on the way, so they'd not be run over. Let us not play these silly philosophical games or scholarly games. We cannot think Jesus because you're the creator of the thought. You made the minds. But Father, today, let us do business with you. There's a Christian here, not today, not focused solely on you, Lord. I, and no matter their age, if they're young or old, the Lord, they would start today doing business with you, asking you to forgive them their sins and make them right with you. Lord, only you can do these things. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen.